Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, our full team, Missouri Training Institute. Good morning, Dewey. Good morning. Good morning, Ray. Hello. Oh, I'm glad to have us all back together. We had a few there, Dewey, where you were out on the road. We have all been out on the road quite a bit. Uh, Ray and I just got back from uh, working in Stores, Connecticut, with uh, University of Connecticut uh, Extension and their uh, College of Ag out there. So uh, shout out to any of them that might be uh, listening yes. to us mm-hmm. right now. Uh, we had a wonderful experience out there working on building some leadership capacity and, and working on some leadership skills. It was great. I love the picture. Um, Ray was sending me pictures of you all. And my favorite was you walking along the beach barefoot. Uh, the beach is my place to be. <laughs> yeah. oh, you look like a kid in a candy store. He's picking up the rocks and throwing oh. them into the ocean. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I had to drag him off that yeah. beach. Uh, yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, while um, we were doing all that abroad uh, around here, I was looking at just different things I'm seeing uh, throughout town. And it seems like everywhere we go, and I'm sure it's not just here in Columbia, but probably nationwide, we're seeing these now hiring signs. Ugh, and so, yeah. Dewey, among the many talents that you have, you also sit on a workforce development board. Yes. And I'm just kind of curious uh, as you you kind of think about what you all have heard there. Can you talk a little bit about where we are in the workforce? Yeah. Well, you know, the pandemic has really caused things to change. And um, I do sit on the Central Region Workforce Investment Board here uh, in Central Missouri. So we cover about 17 counties and and get federal funds. And we try to help uh, decide how those funds get um, used to help people get back to work or uh, when things like the pandemic hits, you know, how does that affect employers? And uh, wow, we are constantly having conversations in those meetings um, because employers are begging for help right now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people reevaluated their their careers. I think they evaluated their the value they actually put on to work mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit. Um, of course, a lot of people got laid off. Uh, and so we've had, you know, record unemployment during that. But now that we're starting to come out of this and we're starting to see businesses uh, try to get back to normal or try to, you know, get back to the level of production that they were they were working on before, then um, it's been difficult for some of them. And so so, um, yeah, it's everybody's hiring and you see it when you walk into a restaurant and they're not yes. fully staffed and they've got a whole section of their restaurant, maybe even blocked off or mm. or maybe they're not doing the drive through anymore. Or they're only doing drive through. Um, so it's things like that uh, that businesses are really, really struggling with right now. Mm. You know, my friends and I, we were just talking about this just last night. Um, because some one of them was standing in a line at a restaurant and being frustrated that there wasn't enough restaurant staff. And the question just came up, you know, where is everyone? Where are they? Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, some statistics that you brought to the table, Brianna, you know, that, I mean, we have record high job openings mm-hmm. right. um, that the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has put out. And, and this is as recent as the last day of March, 11.5 million openings mm-hmm. for work. And yet people are like, I can't find anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Where are they? That's a good question. You know, I think some of them are looking at ways that they can uh, make their own money without having to be dependent on an employer. So I think you're seeing a lot more people trying to open up their own businesses. So maybe, you know, if they make and they take off, great. That's that's wonderful. You know, if they don't, I wonder if we might start to see those folks back in the workplace a little bit later. Uh, Other people, I think, maybe have had some means where they don't even want to go to work now anymore. Uh, I, I know people, for example, that kind of sold their property. They bought a um, an RV and, you know, you can have your and they got little kids, school age kids with them, but they are traveling around and wow. they're have a moving mm. home. But they're 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 uh, logging into, you know, an online school sure. for their kids. Sure. Um, so I think people have just kind of reevaluated things yeah. a little bit. Well, my son is in that exact group that you just talked about oh, starting yeah. his own business mm-hmm. and he would love to have a bus to li- <laughs> literally he talks about that all the time living you know converting a, a school bus yeah. and living in it and using it as his mobile yeah. home yeah 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 you know i think it's important that when we talk about this issue that we realize that we are dealing with a very active labor and uh, labor demand and supply market, right? You know, we've got uh, what is the market like, the demand for it? What is the supply for it? You know, and that constantly changes. It also is going to vary greatly in um, what area of the country you may be in. You know, we're, I'm, I'm, my perspective here is in central Missouri, which is going to be different than Kansas City area or the St. Louis area, for example. Um, so different types of industries depending on where you're at, rural versus um, uh, that urban life. So it's just, it's a very complex problem uh, mm-hmm. that we're seeing as well. Well, and I think it's certainly, you know, obviously the the pandemic put a lot of things in perspective for us. And, um, you know, for, for me and having a, a baby born during the pandemic, mm-hmm. it was family, you know, always, you always say that family is at the top of your, your list. But then when you really step back and you have something like the pandemic that, puts you in a situation where you're with your family all the time, you start appreciating and recognizing maybe I really wasn't doing this Mm -hmm. as much before, as I I said. And I think, you know, Ray, you mentioned that the stats I brought, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. What was really intriguing to me, not just the fact that we're at an all time high uh, in in the amount of job openings that we have across our country, but there are still continuing to be separations from jobs. Mm -hmm. And by separations, I mean, this is anything from people quitting um, all the way through layoffs, discharges, other separations. But that number continues to edge up still. So they were at 6.3 million separations by the end of first quarter, by the end of March. And so people maybe, and I, I, I wonder this, are starting to kind of get back into the job market, realizing, hey, look, the focus just isn't where... I wanted it to be or what I found as a value during a priority during this pandemic and and leaving again, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And you you also have to think about what kinds of jobs are out there, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're talking about here. You know, we look at oftentimes uh, low paying, low skilled jobs and, you know, you know, and then we complain that there's nobody here. But if we're not paying a livable wage, you know, versus a job that I can go get that might pay me more of of a livable wage. So. 
so, you know, when we see statistics like this, we kind of have to, you know, again, kind of think through and, and take a look at the, some of the detail of, of what that all means. Mm-hmm. And it did say um, that a lot of these openings increased in retail trade and in durable goods manufacturing, um, but decreased. And this was interesting to me in transportation, warehousing and utilities, state and local government and federal government. So I. I don't know any rhyme or reason for that, but I just found that to be a little, uh, a that little intriguing. That might be affected to the supply chain issues, mm-hmm. you know, for example, that we're right. experiencing. So right, um, right. So when we think about this, you know, one of the other things that it's it's a lot of the different research articles I had had read were talking about was concerns with now you're hiring, mm-hmm. but have you taken a step back to sit and recognize what your candidate experience is like? So those people who are maybe in the job market looking for those jobs, um, I'm hearing a lot of concerns with being ghosted nowadays from different organizations. And what does that do to your reputation as a now hiring organization? It'll tank it. Mm -hmm. I I mean, there is such a war on talent that you can't afford, especially, especially during these times of social media. I mean, everything's out what people are thinking in an instant. Mm -hmm. They can be sitting in your lobby waiting to have their interview and be blasting about this experience. experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I remember decades ago, my aunt Um, when I was looking for a job, this is, you know, she's giving me this wise advice, you know, 30, 40 years ago, she was like, just go and sit in their lobby on a day you're not and see how they treat each other. Watch how they treat the patients or the clients or, you know, Mm -hmm. the the customers walking in and just see, is that something I want to be a part of? So really, you know, thinking about your environment Mm -hmm. because they're viewing you. Yeah. that lens. I, and I'm so glad we're going to be focusing in on this part of this problem today, because this is what we what what employers have control over. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this labor supply and demand, there's fluctuations. They might not have a lot of control over what those numbers are looking like. But what they do have control over is the experience that they have that they can create for their uh, recruits uh, or their job candidates. Um, because, you know, this is a, just, a, it's a two-way street, right? The hiring process, we often think yes. that it's uh, only the employers looking for uh, work, but it's also about, like you are talking about, Ray, uh, do I want to work for this kind mm-hmm. of an organization? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, and I, I thought... You know, I guess to go back to what I mentioned, if some people on our, our listeners aren't familiar, when we talk about ghosting, which was actually one of the top issues right now that a lot of candidates were were saying they were experiencing, um, ghosting means essentially that they're vanishing from the hiring process. So the employers stop answering phone calls. They uh, stop calling people back. They just kind of vanish um, is what we kind of mean by ghosting. And 77% of candidates said that they've been ghosted by prospective employers since the onset of the pandemic. And when when I hear that, when I think about that, what you were just mentioning, the things that we have control over as an organization, you certainly have control over how you're going to treat those prospective candidates. And a phone call doesn't take that long. Exactly. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to step in here. Yes. And I often do and say, <laughs> hmm, let's think of the other side as well. But then I'm going to switch back. All right. Um, you have no staff. Hmm. You're doing it. Sure. From greeting people at the door to locking up the register at night. And so you're right. A phone call doesn't take much, but when, right. And so from an employer's perspective, now their job duties 
might have quadrupled. Right. And they're filling great point. many uh, different positions. But we can be rethinking this um, mm-hmm. and reframing it. Absolutely. And I love this big question. You know, when you when you are considering this and when you're really being intentional or wanting to be intentional about your candidate experience, stepping back and really asking the question, what does it feel like to be recruited by your organization. And my husband and I just had a really interesting conversation about this the other day. Uh, He works in radio. And a lot of times, if you listen to radio, you'll hear two different kinds of marketing. You'll hear the statistics driven marketing of a job. So, you know, we play 30 minutes of nonstop music. And what they're really focused on now is more of the emotional side of marketing. So what what does that feel like if you're getting 30 minutes of nonstop music? And what research is saying now is that's what people are more conscious of, is what it feels like. So that feeling experience. And I think we have to kind of take that into this uh, recruitment process as well, considering how does it feel to possibly be a candidate for this job within your organization? I think that's a really important uh, thing to think about. Yeah, I think that matches that um, idea of meaningfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I see myself playing an important role here in some way as a as a as a person who's going to be employed by this organization? Uh, am I making a difference in, in the world some way? Um, and I think that if uh, employers can kind of make sure that they communicate that purpose, that sense of meaningfulness uh, to their recruits, I think that that certainly would help. Yeah, because here's the thing. Even if if that person doesn't get the job, what you can do as an organization is create almost a brand advocate that was like, you know, all right, I didn't get the position. However, let me tell you about that experience. All right. So other people, you know, that are maybe looking at different positions um, or looking at that organization as a possible move or transfer. Now they're getting that that feedback from somebody close to them, somebody they trust that this organization is a place where they might want to consider being. Mm -hmm. And so brand advocacy is is really important, I think, these days. Absolutely. And, you know, they might not have gotten the job because that wasn't the job for their skill set. Right. But would they come back and apply if another job at this company opened up? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That idea. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we think about this, and you all have done a lot of training um, kind of in the onboarding process and and have a lot of experience in different organizations, but what are some key considerations that organizations should have in mind to really create that exceptional candidate experience? Act like you want them there. <laughs> I can't say it any more plainly than that. Um, they are a guest in your business treat them as a guest because they also might be a customer. Mm. They might be the son or daughter or a person of a customer. Um, it doesn't matter. They are your guest. This is your home away from home. Treat them as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's really important and uh, to consider how the, the processes that you have your candidates go through and, and to take a look at that sense of welcomeness Take a look at that sense of um, be our guest, uh, if you will, um, throughout all those processes. So how do they access your application? Um, is that an easy process? Um, how, what are your communication principles and strategies like? Um, are you replying to them in an, in an appropriate amount of time?
time? Are you letting them be, not hear from you for weeks and weeks and weeks? You know, so when they submit that application, do we have a, a communication that goes out to say thank you for doing that? So it's about all those different processes. Yeah. Every touch point should mm-hmm. be analyzed. Yeah. I mean, because once that candidate hits your parking lot, all legal liability sets in for you as a potential employer in that interviewing process. Um, and so all things like that are under scrutiny from a legal perspective, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, every touch point you have with that candidate. It's the experience that yeah. they are that you're creating for them. How mm-hmm. easy is it for me to be an employee here? Right. (laughs) And if you're making it difficult, what else in this organization is difficult Mm -hmm. to have happen? And um, yeah, you know, it used to be the paradigm used to be flipped, though, didn't it? It used to be it used to be I'm the employer and I get to make the rules and I've got the power. Um, And, you know, the market switched now. Right. And so this is a good time for if you're looking for work, this is a great time to be out in the market looking for work. Um, because you can be a little more picky and choosy. And, um, you know, I think that I think job candidates are seeing that in their employers. I had a good experience over here in applying here. I didn't necessarily have such a good experience with this particular employer. So, um, you know, gosh, where do you think that they might? All other things being equal. Exactly. Exactly. You know, that transition do you mentioned it. we think that's new. Maybe I've been we've been training to that for years. Yes, we have. Because I you know, I can think of a big organization that we work with um, where it was a very cumbersome process. And, you know, part of their rationale, I remember, you know, when I asked them about this was, well, you know, if they're not smart enough to figure out our <laughs> hiring you know, application process, they're not smart enough to work here. Yeah. And I'm like, well, actually, it just says they're smart enough to go somewhere else. You know? <laughs> so, um, and you're losing out mm-hmm. on that talent. Right. Um, right. Not everybody's that great. You got to get over the sense of self a little bit. But um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, um, you know, the other thing I think is important to recognize is that when if you do get somebody on board, you know, their their level of engagement, according to Gallup, is what um, is going to be high. Oh, first six months. Just for just for the first six months, though, right? You got to go get it. And you got it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one thing to hire them and actually get them in the organization. But then what then then we're able to pull the curtain back a little bit, you know, and so what's it really like to work here? So I think one of the another really big strategies I would encourage employers to focus on out there is their onboarding processes. You know, so how are you bringing a new employee um, to their full potential within the context of your organization? You know, how can we uh, make that a smooth transition so that we're getting uh, value out of the the resource as a as an employer, right? The the human resource, but that your employees are getting, you know, what they need out of it as well. You know, challenge, meaningfulness, um, a sense of development, a sense of perhaps even uh, advancement within this organization. Are they being supported by their coaches, um, by their supervisors, those kinds of things? I remember I was talking, I don't know if it was on a podcast or a Facebook live, but a little bit about some of those those strategies. And it was interesting to me when you when you mentioned like 
initially setting them up with somebody to shadow or to, you know, identifying the right person for that. And that kind of brings me back to even with this recruiting process. I can't tell you how many different like trade shows and things I was I was just in an event last night where there was different booths set up. And, and you know, and I think about this and I am more inclined to go to the booth where people are like, hey, you want, you know, we got coloring books or we got, you know, we got something like this versus the person who's sitting back there with their arms crossed mm-hmm. and waiting for you to walk up to their table because that tells me how passionate you are about what you do. And if, and just like you said, if that's what I'm, um, I'm vibing from here, then what else within the organization um, is creating that kind of, of morale? And so I think it is important to be identifying the right people for some of these positions, certainly in the recruiting process and also in the onboarding process. Yeah. You know, most of the time, um, this is what to me, what most onboarding processes look like. Let's say that Ray's the new employee and Brianna, you're the you happen to be there that day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, And you might be uh, having a bad day or you might be having a good day, whatever. But, you know, Ray, as your boss, I don't have time to take care of what your needs are right now because I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Busy, busy. So I want you to just to follow Brianna around. Um, and we hope that learning occurs through osmosis, right? you know, as opposed to a more structured approach where we really figure out what does that employee need to know in that first day, that first week, that first month, maybe that first three months, that first six months. But we're not, you know, bombarding them with things that doesn't necessarily make sense or they're not able to put two and two together. Um, and, you know, Brianna could be teaching you bad habits or <laughs> she could be saying things like this is what's in the three ring box under the standard operating procedure, but this is how I do it. Um, You know, and then we got chaos going on. Right. So um, I think it's important, you know, now I would put you with Brianna because I know Brianna has the knowledge and the skills and the abilities to not provide that kind of an experience. And the empathy. And the empathy. Absolutely. (laughs) I think, you know, when we think about what is it like to be on your first day of work? Mm. I mean, think of all the decisions you've already made just to get here. Right. You know, where do I park? What door do I go in? Who do I ask for? I mean, little things. Where where do I eat lunch? I mean, grownups still think about that, you know, mm-hmm. not just school kids with their trays. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> it is and drinking from a fire hose. You know, we employers just at large are like, how do I get this person up to speed as fast as possible? Right. And I'm like, then slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow down and bring on what they can learn in the time frames that they can learn it, you know, they're not going to take in those codes and, mm-hmm. and processes when they're just worried about what bathroom to use. Right. Right. You know, right. right. Well, and one of the things I want to mention, you, you had said, Dewey, is, you know, as, as the, maybe the, the manager, or supervisor, or the leader over that position that you're bringing that new person in for, well, you don't have the time to, you know, do that. So you partner them with somebody else. Um, you know, and I think that that's a really important thing to consider in this whole process, the onboarding process and the recruiting process. It, and this was really impactful when I interviewed here is in that interview, Dewey, the director of the story is sitting in that interview as well. Ray sitting in there, you know, our, our uh, director of first impressions who we had at that time was sitting in there and a representative from HR. Um, and the, the mere fact that the director spent the time coming to that interview meant something. And then not only that, on my first day, 
when I got in there, sitting down and actually spending that first, I think it was two hours we spent together and Mm -hmm. we were talking through that whole onboarding process. But it wasn't just me and my direct supervisor. Uh, It was the whole team. It was the leadership included. So I think it's really important that managers are fully invested in this process Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people seeing you, feeling, knowing you that that you're willing to be frontline with them, too, uh, is critical. And I'll tell you that as a millennial um, and I I own that uh, very happily, (laughs) I will tell you that that's something that we look for, you know, and I'll tell you that Gen Zers, there's research that's come out and said the same thing. And these are people who are looking for jobs right now and might be some great, you know, potential Mm -hmm. candidates. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to walk the talk in the recruiting, you need to walk the talk in your onboarding. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the the workshops that we used to do um, was called employee development A to Z and everything from hiring mm-hmm. to retiring um, or firing, um, you know, which, <laughs> whichever way that candidate and thusly uh, employee chooses to go. But yeah, and we used to do, you know, take take people through that entire process. Because like you said, you know, you might have your, your best foot forward during that interview and, and things like that. And of course the interviewee does as well, but then you don't want to be somebody totally different on Mm. their first day. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to be somebody totally different on their first day. Um, So hopefully that, that infiltrates your entire organization up, down, across all of it, that that's a cultural understanding. And like you said, from management, you know, top management, all the way down to mm-hmm. the first person you meet when you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, when I think about um, the onboarding process, I guess I would just offer up um, to folks to really examine four big main areas that employees really need to gain some knowledge and skill in quickly, okay, in a new job. And the first would be all those compliance issues, right? So, you know, different organizations have different safety, you know, training that they real their employees need to go through. Or you need to get your um, pass codes for your computer login. But it's all the, uh, this is how we do things around here. It's the signing the HR paperwork, you know, it's all those compliance. Like, what are the what are the workplace rules and policies so that those are uh, the employee, the new employee knows those things very well right up front. Right. The next one would be about clarifying the job expectations. You know, so for this employee, do they really know what is expected of their work? You know, what is what are the expectations that they need to meet? What are their roles? What are their responsibilities? And the more that we can really clarify those expectations, the better off they'll be able to meet them. Right. So that's another big area to concentrate on. But I think two other areas areas um, that we sometimes don't do a very good job with is the idea of connection. So in this person's new role, you know, do they know how the other other employees or other roles uh, or other jobs uh, interact with theirs? Um, do have we helped them build the network that they need to in order to be successful in that particular role? And then finally, the last area, and this is what prompted this, was when Ray said the word culture. Um, you know, how are we immersing them into the company's culture uh, and what it is that we really believe in? And um, I think the quicker we can help them, you know, really understand those values, those corporate values can really help them drive their decisions uh, in the job. So, and, you know, all of the things that you mentioned are, are critical. Um, However, do they have to be done on the first day? No. Right. Figuring out for your processes and for that candidate, what can be done ahead of time? 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, what what can be downloaded and read at leisure, um, you know, and then there's good questions you can ask as a follow up. So really being mindful of what order those things come in, in connection to those relationship building activities, in connection to, you know, what's most important um, right away. And then those other things get woven in. So I'm just saying, be mindful of, of what order and how long you spend on those things. That's right. Because a lot of times they're like, okay, you know, one week, two weeks, boom, zip, zip. But then you're on probation for, <laughs> you know, a year or whatever, yeah. which I actually, I actually encourage long probationary periods. Um, but I also encourage long onboarding periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's longer than two weeks. Yeah. And that's that structure, right? Yeah. You know, what do they need to know the first day? What do they really need right. to know that first week? What do they need to know um, at different intervals yeah. Yeah. going forward? Absolutely. So as we start kind of wrapping this episode up, I guess any final tips or thoughts when it comes to this great candidate experience or the onboarding process? I, I liked where you started it. Just thinking about what does it feel like to be a candidate? Um, and are you making it easy and why would somebody want to work here? And if you're curious about what people think about your organization, go out there on Glassdoor and mm. see, cause there's lots of information, you know, good, bad, or otherwise about organizations out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just make sure that you're, you're moving towards framing it in a more positive way. Yeah. Yeah. And if uh, you're a job seeker, wow, now's a great time to be out there looking for work. And I'm just going to say, stop ghosting people. (laughs) 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 That burns me to no end. So, Um, but thank you all for the great discussion this morning. And we encourage your thoughts, your comments, your questions, maybe letting us know some different ways that you create a great candidate experience. Share those with us in the comments section or email us at mti at missouri.edu. And until next time, Go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.